Pretty cool interview earlier today on the Plank Show. He had Andy Staples on, who is in town. He was at the press conference yesterday. Ryan Leaf was even on the Plank Show today. We will uh, hear from him later on in the show. He'll be on the call for OU Kent State on Saturday. And there's a lot of major talking points coming out of uh, Saturday's first game. One of those being, was OU accurately going to be running up-tempo offense while aiding their defense and not asking them to be on the field? for 75% of the game. Like, Travis, after one game, are you concerned about that whatsoever, about the offense keeping their pace but also aiding the defense and allowing them enough rest on the sideline? Yeah, uh, you and I spoke uh, about this actually before the season. I don't know if you remember that conversation, but um, it, it was asking if you were in the camp of, don't score so fast. Why are you scoring so fast? Well, I, I cannot get my mind into that camp i simply can't if if i had the opportunity no matter what it did to the legs of the defense to get a 21-0 head start 15 plays into your offensive uh schedule i mean six six minutes into the game basically i mean every time sign me up for that sign me up for that in, in what in what world would we turn that down I mean, if you get up three scores on somebody, and I loved Brent Venables, uh, you know, conversation about it. His comments on it was, no, you know, we have a job to do. Stop him from scoring. Stop him from picking up first downs. That's that's the job. And if there's a guy that I believe, like, means that, it's a Brent Venables. Brent Venables is absolutely telling it to his team is, don't worry about what the offense does. Get your stops. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Not Not to say that they are, but you get my point. Yeah, um, and, and I know that, again, that conversation is, it's a big talking point from last Saturday. I don't really ever, th- I, I guess I never thought that it was a big deal outside of a couple of drives in the second quarter. It wasn't a big deal in the first quarter. They got off to a 21 nothing start. I didn't think it was all that big of a deal in the second half as well. And I contend, Travis, I don't think it ends up being that big of a deal at all if one particular thing doesn't happen in the second quarter. The score is OU 21, UTEP 3. OU has the football in the second quarter, and they have a third and one coming up at the, uh, what is it? It's it's like a third and one, I think, at the 25-yard line, OU's 25-yard line. And if they pick up that one yard, well, you get the first down, you probably maybe go up-tempo again, and you keep your defense on the sideline for at least another four plays I think probably with all the momentum OU had on that drive or had in the game that point, they probably go down and score twenty-eight to three. But instead, there was an there was a penalty, a five-yard penalty. They back it up to a third and six. They don't convert. No, OU has to punt it away, and that's kind of when the second quarter got out of hand, if you even want to phrase it that way. I think if OU doesn't have that five-yard penalty, picks up that third down and one, I think we're singing a totally different tune today about the pace of the game, and and, and probably a whole different talking point on what the final score of the game actually was. Yeah, I think I think to your point it was penalties. I think a lot of people are kind of glossing over the penalties in the second quarter that not only helped halt drives from Oklahoma but extend drives for UTEP. I mean, uh, you know, pass interference, uh, you know, all, all the the one that you know was on Stutzman that could have been all that 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 kind of stuff needs to be cleaned up. Not fixed. I think there's a, I think there's a definite difference between that. I think if there are broken parts of the defense, that's when you start to have troubles. But if you just 
if you just need to clean up some penalties, I mean, we're we're probably what if you could pick two penalties to take away, yeah, I mean that's a massive that's a massive swing. Danny Stutzman closes his hands around that interception. I mean, we're we're looking at we're looking at twenty eight right there. So, yeah, to your point, I think a lot of the hey, you got to slow it down because the defense was so tired that you know UTEP was on the field. You know, the whole second quarter kept scoring, driving down. Yeah, but they were doing their job, and the, and and I think something that can't be overlooked is man, there's a lot of energy on that defense, man, a lot of it. And when they start really hitting and pursuing and they got a lot of energy and they're disrupting things and they finally get to that third down, they think they've finally got a field, and then they see a little bit of laundry on the field. I mean, that's what takes it out of you. That That's what really emotionally drains you, everything like that, is thinking you got your job done to get off the field, get the ball back to the offense, and then, boom, a fresh set of downs. So um, I think I, – I think the penalties are much more to blame than the speed of the offense. Fair point by Douglas Miles, who it was great to see him on Saturday at the KREF Army tailgate. Douglas says, Iowa fans would love to, quote, score too fast. Iowa fans would love for their offense to outscore their defense, which did not happen on Saturday. The Iowa defense scored four points, and the Iowa offense scored three points. So, yeah, I I feel like we're being a little bit too – tough of a customer right now like let's not let's not get mad or upset or question getting up 21 nothing like that after like what would you say 15 offensive plays i'll take that every time please <laughs> right and and again kind of as i uh, you know i tweeted about this a little bit it's fantastic mm-hmm. that this week we are talking about one quarter that maybe were we too tired for because we scored so much you know, these conversations are a lot better than having to justify uh, or try and keep the spirits up after a five-point win against Tulane. Uh, yeah, I I like this conversation. <laughs> I like this conversation a whole lot more. But, hey, it is fair to sit back today and sit back for the next couple of days and say, all right, it's a win, you covered, you're 1-0, and a lot of things looked really good and improved. Yeah, whatever. We can have those. But also, what do we need to see on Saturday that is an improvement from what we saw last week? And on that discussion, I put that out on Twitter, by the way, uh, on our ref Twitter page. And I got to start with offensive line, man. I, if there is one thing that I want to see that's better from the UTEP game, not only do I want to see improved play by the offensive line, but more than anything, Travis, what we're just talking about, I want to see them play a clean football game where there's consistently a clean pocket when OU wants to throw it down the field. And I don't want to see those five-yard penalties on third and one. That's a drive killer. Play a clean football game. Play a good football game. You should be able to run the ball on these guys. Um, look like the offensive line that should be dominant against a team like Kent State. That's that's number one for me. Yeah, and, and I think, to your point on the offensive line, I saw that tweet. It got a lot of... A lot of offensive line answers. I think it probably made up. I didn't count them, but it felt like it made up at least half uh, of the answers. And here's the thing. I mean, Wanya Morris goes out, right? And you're like, okay, we got to get Tyler Guyton out there. But you want your best tackle covering Dylan Gabriel's blind side. So you flip the tackles. You put Anton out to the right, which he's been playing left the whole time. And then you've got Tyler Guyton playing on the left. And then... I think it was in that second quarter that we keep talking about, his shoe comes off. I believe it was the second quarter. Text line, correct me if I'm wrong. But second quarter, shoe comes off, and then Aaron Parks has to run in out of nowhere 
they're playing next to people they're not used to be playing next to. Uh, there, there's, there is certainly improvement to be had. There's always improvement to be had, no matter what. I mean, we talk. Teddy talks about that all the time. There's, there's never a, a perfect game. Uh, you can win a hundred to nothing, and, and Venables and Beanbow and those guys are going to have some to improve. Uh, but I think if you get one A. Morris back in to the position that he played in all camp and everybody gets kind of back playing next to who they're supposed to play next to and who they got used to it, I think yeah. you see an improvement just from that. Uh, 918Rod says, hey, guys, we all keep hearing how good Javante Barnes is. Vittables compared him somewhat to AD, arguably the best running back to ever wear an OU uniform. And if this is true and Barnes is anywhere close to where AD was, why is this kid not starting every single down? Rod, I can answer that question for you. And I'm not saying that I don't like Javante Barnes. I really like Javante Barnes. How can you not? But at the same time, when he almost ended a man's life on the field on Saturday, he also fumbled, Travis. He also fumbled on that play. Right. And and, and I asked this question, I think, on the postgame show. Can the can a running back get a targeting call? Because if a running back can get bit thrown out for targeting, Javante Barnes is, isn't going to finish some games because that guy plays physically. He wants to make the contact. We hear all those old stories, and and again, nobody's foolish enough to full blown comparison. Adrian Peterson, that kind of stuff. But Adrian, you know the stories of him chasing down contact in practice. He'd get into the second level. And, or third level, and he'd go find DBs to run into because he kind of craved that contact. I think there's a little bit of that there, maybe not to the de- to the degree, but I think there's a little bit there with Javante Barnes. He wa- he can he can run by you, he can run yep. he can run he can juke you, whatever. But he, man, he wanted to hit you, and he looked he just he popped off the field just from a visual standpoint. When he carried the ball, you're like, okay, this kid is absolutely special. You know what? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. And not every single defensive back wants that smoke. A lot no. of times, Travis, and I think that this is the case on Saturday, some of these guys are going to have to make a business decision when they meet Javante Barnes one-on-one when he gets to the uh, to the second level of the defense. So, yeah, like I love that in a running back. I want my running back to stay healthy, granted, but if he can run around you, but he can also run over you, not not every single person is totally down for that smoke, and I think that there's a lot of people that we're going to see lined up against Javante Barnes that don't want that. He's he's going to play a factor on this offense moving forward. I feel very, very strongly about that. The well, two guys in front of him showed out well. I think they're pretty good, but Javante Barnes will be a factor in this offense. Yeah, I, th- I think his ceiling is just so high. I mean, we're already seeing it at a young age, but keep in mind, this was a guy who was uh, dinged up a bit uh, through, through camp and whatnot, and, you know, he was... Uh, he was not a full participant uh, 100% of the time. Now, if that were if that would have happened, I'm 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 not ruling him out as as taking the, the number 2 spot going into the season, but Marcus Major stayed healthy. He had a fantastic 8 weeks, did nothing to uh, quote unquote lose the number 2 spot uh, necessarily and definitely got paid off with uh, uh, with a nice Saturday in the in the box score, no doubt about that, but I do think Javante Barnes is going to be really hard to keep off the field and a great point text line when we think of the best running back since the beginning of the stoops era yeah i think all of our minds immediately go to adrian peterson but even that guy 
Even even that guy who finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting, his true freshman year, and a lot of people around here will argue that he should have won the award, he didn't even start immediately, man. So I know that there's a lot say, well, Brent Venables kind of compared him to AD yesterday. Why is he already starting? Well, the guy that he compared him to, who's one of the best we've ever seen around here, he didn't even start until like halfway through his true freshman season. Kewan Jones was starting in 2004, not AD immediately. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's the thing. People kind of get that revisionist history, and it's natural. It's natural because of just the the highlights and everything, and the stories of everything about Adrian Peterson. But he didn't he didn't step on campus, and then week one he rushed for 250 yards. That's not what happened. Yeah, exactly. Sooner Soldier says UTEP only sacked North Texas once, and Gabriel was sacked several times. Is that a concern? What were the final? Do you have that handy? The final sack numbers that Gabriel? I don't. Did he get sacked a ton? Is that right? Uh, I I can get to it real quick. But with with that, it, it goes back to what I said. You learn what a couple days before the game that Wanya Morris is going to be out, and then you've got to flip tackles. You got guys playing that aren't used to playing next to each other. You got guys. You know, there's just a lot of stuff moved around on that offensive line with. In, in mere days before uh, the game. So I don't think going forward, especially once Wanya gets back, look, Wanya is a talented dude. There ain't no doubt about it. And uh, <clears throat> let's see. Only Utep sacked twice. Only sacked sacks. twice. That's it. Yeah. I, I didn't sacks. think it was – I was just wondering if I was missing something. I, I was like, I don't remember a lot of sacks. And, yeah, it was only twice. So, okay. Yeah, two sacks is not – I don't think that's anything. It wasn't – God- can we just say this? It wasn't, like, the worst offensive line performance we've seen. It wasn't an offensive line performance to where we said, oh, my God, how are they going to run the ball in Lincoln in a couple of weeks? How are they going to run the ball in Kansas State? I just don't. I don't see it with this offensive line. It was, I mean, if you want to say it was the weakest link on Saturday, sure, there were a lot of strong links on Saturday. Like, it can get better. I, that's not what I'm saying. It can definitely get better. I need to see it get better on Saturday. But I just – and I don't know how many people have this tone, but it's not like it was just a god-awful performance on Saturday. I don't think that that's what it was. No, I, here's the thing. People are looking for stuff to nitpick because, the you know, Brent has drilled this defend the standard into our head. It's, it's simple as that. We need to be perfect, not good, not great. And that's what he keeps saying, good, not great. Offensive line can't be good if we're trying to accomplish the goals that – you know, are the goals of the University of Oklahoma. So, naturally, people are going to nitpick, and it is the easiest thing to nitpick because, again, it, it, it was the least strong link on the field. Yeah. Uh, hey, we'll extend that question to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. You've seen game one. What improvement? Like, what do you need to see game two to feel even better about this team? I think we all feel pretty good about where OU sits after one game in the season. But to feel even better than what you do right now, what needs to happen on Saturday? I'm at Suter Bowl right here in Norman, where guess what? If you've got a free Friday night upcoming, open play on Friday nights. Bring your friends, bring your family, date night, whatever. Suter Bowl on Friday nights. They also have the spare time uh, bar and grill as well. Travis is at FC Tulsa at One Oak Field. Where, Travis, it's so simple if you want to go to the soccer game the night for free. Yeah, super simple. Travis sent me at the ticket office. It's going to be a gorgeous 
gorgeous night. It's already a gorgeous day. Come on through. I did get the question on the text line. You, it, There's no specific time. You don't have to come between 534 and 536 to uh, redeem that. You can just come whenever is convenient for you. Come through, redeem it, and, uh, and come say hi. I will be out here uh, chilling and watching the game as well. Should be a good one against Louisville tonight. There you go. All right, uh, the rush rolls on. Wednesday rush, Friday rush, whatever. We'll just probably just keep calling it the Friday rush. Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson, live on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. More to come next. Bringing you the physical, relentless, suffocating coverage of the Sooners you deserve. This is the Ref, the home of Sooner fans. It is the Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson with you until 6 p.m. Cavens Construction bringing you this hour of the Rush. Cavens Construction for all of the services they can provide for you, whether it's your home or your office building and, honestly, everything else in between. CavensConstruction.com for more information on how they can help you. Here's what the Air Comfort Solutions text line wants to see on Saturday, Travis. LG Suter 63 says, to feel better about OU from week one to week two, I want to see two things. The offensive line pass block better and see a few more effective blitz packages from the defense. Um, yeah. I mean, they had six sacks and nine TFLs on, on Saturday. Yeah, and I'll put it this way. If we're having to come up with some exotic blitz packages versus Kent State, we have way bigger problems. <laughs> like way bigger problems. Fair I mean, it, it was a vanilla defense, and you didn't need it. Vanilla defense that held them to 28 yards rushing, got six sacks and nine tackles for loss, while playing a ton of twos and threes in the second half, including true freshmen. So... Honestly, like I said, if I start to see a bunch of exotic blitz packages, uh, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little nervous. And we heard a little bit of that in our uh, post game show on Saturday night. Is man, I just wish OU would have had a better pass rush. Could it have been more consistent? Yeah, I mean, I guess again, statistically, it looked pretty good. Six sacks and nine TFLs. Is that like is that fair to say, or? Is that just kind of being a victim of we know what Brent Venables has done in the past and we thought immediately in game one OU was going to look like an elite defense? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a misunderstanding maybe of what an elite defense looks like, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's, well, when I watched you know, Brent Venables in national championship games, they were sending blitzes from all over the place. Yeah, well, an elite defense – shouldn't have to blitz from all over the place to be an elite defense against UTEP, against Kent State, against Kansas. You know, against, you know what I mean? It's you don't – an elite defense doesn't show their hand when they don't have to. And if you really are that good, you don't have to pull out the big guns against inferior opponents. Your basic vanilla defense should be plenty to handle these. And I think that's what – that's what an elite defense can do, and I think that's what, what Bren is after. Jim in Arlington says uh, the O-line performance from last Saturday, it wasn't Baylor's tw- – it wasn't the performance against Baylor last year. Uh, that was awful. That is correct, Jim. You got pushed around that game on both sides, and you are hoping that uh, that is no more. KJ wants the defense to get off the field more. Uh, they could stand to do a little bit better on third down. This one from the 918, Travis. I feel like the O-line talk is due to all the talk 
that they were the strength all fall and spring. Wanye uh, being out screwed up the cohesion IMO, which I totally buy into. Right, like we were saying earlier. I mean, anytime you've got him come out, then you've got to flip Anton to the to the blind side, who's your best off who's your best offensive tackle at that point. You got to flip him to the right side. You've got Aaron Parks rotating in with Guyton, uh, you know, on the left side. You got there's just Condrill coming in. There's there were a ton of moving pieces. Um, you know, first game, new offense. You know, it, you're gonna have a unit that needs to play together so well and have five pieces work in unison perfectly. Like that's always going to be the last thing to come around. This isn't a wide receiver thing. Nobody's going to be like, oh man, the, the wide receiver group couldn't get together because they aren't reliant on each other to run their routes. They're not a unit, one would say. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, getting off getting off the field and third down and the defense, I think that goes back to a bit of the penalties. But I will say, when it comes to getting off the field, Tyler, how many interceptions were we close to but couldn't close on? Um, ah. Danny Stutzman had one, at, at least Bowman two. Bowman had one in the first remember. series. Yeah, uh-huh. First play, the def- uh, first play of the game, I think. Or For the second year the in a row because he did that against uh, – um, I think he did that against Tulane as well early. I think it was first drive. So if there's a, you know, if there's a prop bet out there next year, whether Billy Bowman will have a uh, a, a pass broken up on the first drive, take it. Um, by the way, text line says, in case you were unaware, Kent State practicing at Union High School this week. Yes, we were all aware that Kent State basically flew straight from Seattle to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they've been practicing at Union. And, in fact, I think it was yesterday they um, they went to the um, – they, they basically they went to the, uh, the, the, uh, the Black Wall Street in Tulsa and looked at the history of that, the resilient stories of the Greenwood community. So they're kind of seeing the sights this week as they get ready for the OU game. I am uh, I'm actually looking at uh, Greenwood Avenue right now. I can see that uh, uh, Greenwood rising and everything right over here uh, by One Oak Field. Uh, if you haven't done that, I highly recommend it. Uh, but, yeah, of course, hanging out at my alma mater, Union High School. Uh, you know, everybody says – you know, East football is better than West football in this state. Uh-oh. We've even got colleges coming to hang out at our facilities. So, I mean, just another feather in the cap for East Side football here in the city. You going to take that, West Side? You just going to sit back there on the text line and take that today? Because the hey, East Side the, is always down to do a victory lap. They got better Man. basketball, but, you know, we got football over here. We got whole colleges coming to, to stay two hours away from Norman just so they can enjoy – the nice facilities of Union High School. A college that is a 33-and-a-half-point underdog, by the way. Um, I did not think that OU would be a bigger favorite in this game than they were the UTEP game, but that is the case. I don't know. Like, There's probably not another opportunity this year. Like, This may be the game where you are the big, biggest favorite you are of all, uh, all year long. OU opened up as a 31-point favorite. Again, currently they're a 33-and-a-half-point favorite. I wonder why this line has shot up as much as as it has. Do you think that that's because of the two teams' performance in week one? There's a rumor that Kent State may be out uh, their best safety this weekend. It's interesting the line has climbed up this high this early by, like, what, man, two man. and a half points. Man, maybe they're out there safety. Maybe Daniel Parker Jr. coming back from the quote-unquote sniffles uh, is a bigger factor in moving the line than we thought. 
You know, uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because the line against UTEP, if I'm not mistaken, dropped a bit, didn't it? Didn't it start out at like 32 and a half and then go down to like 30, I think was the last number I saw, maybe 30 and a half? Uh, I'm looking on scoresandodds.com. It says it opened at 31, it got to 32 and a half, and then now it's currently at 33 and a half. Uh, Kent State is plus 2,500 on the money line. So if you're feeling edgy today and you want to put some money on Kent State to pull the upset, well, that could be very, very profitable for you. However, for, bad for news, a reason, Kent State is not going to win. Yeah, Kent State is not going to win on Saturday. Bad yeah, news. long shots are long shots for a reason. So you have your good value bets. This isn't, uh, you know, Travis's gambling corner by any stretch of the imagination. But the reason they're plus twenty five hundred is because OU is going to win this game. Yeah, and it says ninety on, on scoresandodds.com. It says ninety seven percent of the money. That's overwhelming. Is on OU good right Lord. now to cover the spread, which is interesting. And I feel like the way that everyone's talking, both locally and nationally, that a hundred percent of the money is on Alabama to cover the 20. Travis, I have not seen or heard anyone that's saying, oh, Texas plus 20 at home? Yeah, I'll go ahead and take that. Everyone is like, that's the easiest bet of the century. Are you kidding me? I will totally lock in Alabama only given 20 points. Well, I'm not sure what a win for them looks like. Like, what what all has to go down, uh, or who has to go down for that matter, uh, in order for them to cover or, or even outright win. Because you would look at Texas and say, okay, um, they've got their uh, um, they've got their shiny uh, quarterback and their shiny running back, their shiny skill position guys. Well, their quarterback is going to be eaten up by Will Anderson and Dallas Turner all day. They've got the two preseason All-SEC defensive backs that can, that can work with anybody on the back end. So... I'm not sure what uh, – I'm not sure. If, if you're relying – if you go into this game in your Texas and you are relying on your Texas defense to be the difference in the game against Bryce Young in that offense, oh, all right. All right. Because uh, I, uh, I don't think that's a worthy cause. Well, you asked the question, like, what's going to have to happen for, a, or, uh, for Texas to even keep this game close? It's very similar to what happened in the game last year where Alabama lost to Texas A&M. Um, in that game, A&M had, I think, a 96-yard kickoff return in the game. And I feel like they blocked a punt as well. Um, I think Alabama blocked a punt in that game, but I thought A&M did, did as well. The point is, is like you are going to have to massively outplay Alabama on special teams probably have a big player two on special teams no probably they will have to have a big player two on special teams oh yeah and you're gonna have to hope that the alabama kicker of old uh shows up in this game like we've seen so many times where a kicker not so many times because they haven't lost a lot but the times where alabama's lost because of a bad kicker like you're gonna have to have that essentially and then get lucky in every other facet of the game so fluke is what you're after a bunch of yeah uh, yeah yeah basically yes fluky stuff Yes, accurate. Yeah, things that never happen at Alabama, which is get a bunch of punts blocked, essentially. Uh, yeah, be, so, yeah, some man. things that never happen against Alabama, they need ten of them to happen. Got it, got it, cool. I'm writing that down. I, but sir, have you heard of anyone that's like, oh, yeah, Texas plus 20, let's go. That's an easy bet. What would – I'll put it this way. I, you know, I took 
uh, I, I took Alabama to cover that for sure as uh, as my lock. What number would you put it at if you were a handicapper, Tyler? Um, I would put it at Alabama minus twenty three and a half because I think we're talking about a win twenty four to twenty eight points most likely. Okay, it's okay. not it's not going to be close. Am I off? No, no, I think uh, I, I think I'd still take at twenty three and a half. I think I'd still take Bama to cover because uh, this this feels like one of those Alabama had a quote unquote down year if you if you believe everything Nick Saban says, um, and they lost the national title. I think you always see a different Alabama team come back early in the season after a title loss. Um, they returned the best two players, you know, in college football according to according to some lists we saw out there. Yeah, I think it would have to. I think it would be have to be closer to twenty seven and a half, twenty eight, in order for me to consider it. Brian in Tulsa says one thing: Appalachian State don't sell Texas too short. Anything can happen. It is college football, and I love your response on there. It's like, okay, so now we're comparing Appalachian State to Texas. Okay, which is pretty accurate. Appalachian State probably has more wins over Texas the past ten years, though. Yeah, and. Yeah, and, and and that Michigan team was not this Alabama team. Not far, even remotely far close from it. No, not even remotely but, close. But I get the sentiment, right? It's any given Saturday, right? It's it's you know what? That's why they play the game. That's why they play the game. But the outlier in that for at least the last decade has been Nick Saban doesn't usually succumb to that. Although we do have the Texas A and M of last year, but I don't know. We'll see. It, it, it would have to be fluky. 580 says Bama wins by five touchdowns. Y- you may not be wrong on that one. They may be up by five touchdowns by the end of the third quarter. Nothing, no lopsided score will surprise me on uh, Saturday. All right, it is the rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. I am at Sooner Bowl today in Norman, where Key Lawrence is going to be here from 6 to 8 p.m., kind of a youth bowling clinic they have uh, going on. So if your kid wants to be in bowling, is already an active bowler or hey just wants to meet key lawrence bring him by sooner bowl tonight from 6 to 8 p.m it's going to be a lot of fun travis is at fc tulsa they got a game tonight at one oak field at home and if you want free tickets all you have to do it's really simple go up to the press box and say travis sent me and they're going to give you a free ticket to the fc tulsa game tonight that starts at 7 30 correct yep starts at 7 30 and they play well here tulsa's uh Eight, four, and two uh, here at One Oak Field. Just named a new head coach last week, Blair Gavin. He came down from uh, the MLS Columbus Crew. Uh, he was assistant coach there. So a lot of exciting things happening. First and foremost, the weather, the free tickets, something nice to do midweek. Man, you can't beat it. More college football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is the ref. We've already got some uh, midweek OU Kent State final scores rolling through on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405 651 OU 48, Kent State 17, which sounds good. 48 17, that would actually not be a cover because the spread is 33 and a half. My midweek score feel, as for the second consecutive week, I am locking OU minus the points. Um, I've got OU 45, Kent State 10. And just like last week, Travis, I think that there's going to be a play late in the fourth quarter that, uh, you know, narrowly 
secures the cover for OU, much like Gentry Williams' interception in the end zone against UTEP. Yeah, I think I've got 48-14. 48-14, I think... I think they're going to try their best to to hit the long ball. Uh, they they've got a good receiver back there. They're going to try and get behind us. Hopefully, we did a great job of that last time by not letting anybody get behind us. Specifically, Billy Bowman looked great with that. He was uh, he was keeping everything in front of him and then laying the wood whenever there was a catch. He obviously was time tied for the team lead in tackles and had the outright lead in solo tackles. Uh, so. Yeah, I think 48-14. I don't think we see quite the um, quite the field goal kicking performance that we saw from UTEP. I think that's gone under the radar. Radar. Jeez, what, man, I know. 48 yarder that barely gets off the ground, and then 54 yarder as well. I mean, that guy. I, I, I joked uh, during the game. I said somebody need to door dash him a burrito because <laughs> man, that guy was unstoppable. 48 and 54. That's that is uh, that's that's nothing to. That's nothing small. There's no doubt about it. So I don't think they have quite the the leg with Kent State. So I'm thinking 48-14 personally. Was that first field goal from UTEP the uh, most ugly slash impressive field goal that you've seen? Oh, I in quite I some joked, time. I joked. I had a I had a feature uh, uh, cooking with Grill Boy on uh, two four seven. Uh, that posted today and kind of wrapped up some thoughts. But I did mention that. I said uh, that looked like Quentin Griffin could have got his hand on that one, given the opportunity. Seriously, man, how that was a worm burner. That one. Uh, Brian and Tulsa, OU 56, Kent State 10. Uh, from the 918, OU 52, Kent State 17. Shane the Train in Newcastle says 72-14 with multiple pick sixes. Dadgum. Okay. Uh, this okay. one from the 918 says uh, 56-3 OU. Now, here's here's an interesting text. All covers. All covers. Those are all covers, except the first one that I read that was 48-17. Yeah. This is an interesting text. Good teams text. win, great teams cover. They shouldn't score 14 points. Where is the line week two where the fan base will deem it a successful defensive performance? Oh, man. Well, I think... I think part of the issue is, I mean, they've got a cup, probably a couple NFL players on that offense. Um, is this is not Rice uh, that we're playing, and I think sometimes when we see FCS anything like that, it is just assumed that you should win a hundred to nothing. There, there's that there's no that there's no variance among the FCS ranks. I mean, there are bad FCS teams, and then there are relatively good FCS teams, again, relative to those bad teams. So uh, given that kind of variance, I don't think I don't think giving up 14 points, if, if we do score a ton, if we end up covering, I don't think 14 is all that bad. I, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on how many sacks you get. Um, do turnovers. you let up a garbage touchdown late, yeah. turnovers? Like, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, 14 could look actually really good on Saturday. 14 yeah, could you, look say you hold them to seven. Better. Say you hold them to seven, and then you put in, you know, the threes across the board, and they've still got their ones in, and half of the players on the field for us are, are redshirt freshmen or true freshmen. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't assume, especially early in the season, as we're trying to kind of work through some position battles, some depth battles, things like that. You can't just assume. All right. Ones and twos, all game. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and 
try and uh, keep this dominant defensive performance up. This is very much a work in progress. Again, first year. A lot of people were way ahead of the curve, according to a lot of people. So uh, even Joel Klatt. Tim from KC, OU needs to score 70 versus Kent State because Georgia will. Um. Yeah, Georgia might score. Golly, they look good. And I got a list of teams that we got to talk about if we've uh, changed our minds or opinions at all about what they're going to be this year. And Georgia is certainly one of them because I thought that they may take a little bit of a step back, and maybe they can. Liz over here at Sooner Bowl, she's a big Georgia fan. She liked what she saw against Oregon in week one. She's like, now they're up to number two. It could be. But Georgia may be really good again. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more. More college football coming up here live on The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Keep it locked on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is The Ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you crave is right here. On your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Sports Network. Cavens Construction bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, CavensConstruction.com for more information. I'm at Sooner Bowl here in Norman where Key Lawrence is stopping by from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. tonight. Be sure to check that out. Travis is at One Oak Field for the FC Tulsa game tonight against Louisville. Free tickets? Simple. Go up to the ticket office and say, Travis sent me. You're going to get a free ticket to tonight's match. You know, we're going to talk about, because you're on with me today, you're also going to be on with me Friday. And we're going to be talking about several things that we're excited or anxious to see on Saturday. You know, one thing that kind of, you know, I, I think some people forget. How about the new LED lights? Now, change... Is it always accepted in the most positive way around here when it comes to uh, OU football? I wonder how the new LED lights are going to be received by the fan base. Uh, well, I don't think I don't think new lighting is something that spits in the face of tradition. You know what I mean? Like we hear that a lot about all black uniforms, um, really any alternates, which. Um, Keep an the eye Pride out. of Oklahoma changed their game day routine one time, and a lot of people lost it. So I just changes have happened before, haven't gone. Over oh yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Oh well, and and to be fair, uh, you know those band folks, they are intense. So they 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 love their traditions just as well as football fans do. And when you combine football and band traditions in one, then you've got a whole nother animal. So. Yeah, I don't think anybody is going to look at LED lights and be like, "Man, I really, I really enjoyed when, when we had some light bulbs out and a couple other things." Now I'm, I'm really not liking these. Now, if you send anybody into like an epileptic seizure, uh, okay, that person might not like it. So what's, uh, what's basically going to happen? They're going to score a touchdown, and the LED lights are going to do like a. Uh the blinking on and off like some other SEC schools do? Is that basically it? Well, I would assume so because at kickoff, kickoff's at 6, the sun's still out. So yeah. it, it, it can't be too hyped of an environment, you know, for to use LED lights in the sun. So maybe a halftime situation they got going on could be possible. But then, then again, you're still cutting it close. I mean, you'll have a lot of shade in there by that point, but – the sun's not going to be all the way down at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure how they plan to use it when you've got LED lights and 
more than half of the game is going to be naturally lit, and then you've got to turn them on at some point in the fourth quarter, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? I, um, Yeah, I, I think that they're probably, when they score a touchdown in the second half, when the sun goes down and, yeah, yeah, the shadows start to fade a little bit, that it's basically it. Like what you've seen at some other SEC schools, that's my guess, is the – Lights are just going to be, like, kind of dancing around and doing some things. At other places, they have multicolored lights, I feel like. I feel like Bama or Georgia, one of the two, they have, like, red lights. I think OUs, they just kind of stay the uh, – I don't think that they change colors like that. But Yeah, Bam- Bama, does. Bama does for sure. Did you see South Carolina's video? Yeah, that looked awesome, man. That yeah, looked really, was really cool. Pretty cool. But you get anything cinematic like that. What not like, yeah, it looked cool, of course. Everybody went crazy, but, you know, I'm not going to trade them football teams. No, no, even LSU, like, ran out. Everyone had their uh, cell phone lights on, and they ran out in the complete dark in the Superdome, which is pretty awesome. But I, uh, I, I am interested to hear what the fan reaction is. And do not hold back your reaction on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, regardless of what you think <laughs> about start the new now. LED lights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more to come next. Keep it on the rush right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Right here on your home for Suter fans, The Ref Sports Radio Network.